Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and everybody in between, welcome down to another episode of the Jake Botel Football Experience. A pleasure to have your company on this episode, whether you're a new listener or whether you've listened to all previous 30-odd episodes of the podcast, welcome in. And if you haven't listened to those episodes and you would like to go and get your fill of the JBFE based on what you see and hear today, well, then you can listen in to those on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, you will be able to find the JBFE there and the full back catalogue. Pleasure to have your company. I'm on edge because I just started recording this intro and literally press record and a tiny little fly within 10 seconds of the microphone being turned on flew and landed right on top of the thing. So if you hear the buzzing of a fly, my apologies, I will shoo it away as quickly as humanly possible. Um, but <laughs> getting back on task, I would like to uh, obviously preview this episode for you, um, but not too much because look, the episode really speaks uh, quite well for itself. Uh, the guests that we talked to, Kyle Smith and Tom Cadle of the USFL Project, you could not meet two more knowledgeable, passionate, warm and generous um, guys who just you know, know everything you could want to know about the USFL and, and share their time um, with great generosity. So really, really privileged to have had this conversation that you're going to um, be privy to today. Would like to give a shout out to another podcast that's uh, beginning its run shortly. And that is the, look at that, the fly. This is like, I don't know if I have any like rival podcasts out there, but if I did, or if I was a paranoid person, which, you know, lockdown can do funny things to your head, you would assume that this was a mechanical fly sent to sabotage our first major video show. First of all, it lands on the microphone, then it crawls over the camera. Can you believe it? Anyway, on with the show. The Beltway Sports Bros Podcast. A couple of bros who are going to be covering professional sports on a daily basis in the DC area. I had to listen to their teaser episode today um, on Anchor. You can listen to this show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Anywhere you can get a podcast, you will find the Beltway Sports Bros Podcast. So I highly recommend you look them up and have a listen. Their first episode comes out on May 18th and you can also follow them on Twitter. That's the Beltway Sports Bros podcast. So give them a listen in your ear holes, good people. Got some exciting episodes coming your way. Uh, one of those will preview at the end of today's episode, and that's a, a chat I had with the head coach and director of player personnel at the Erie Express football team, head coach Mark Pilling. And there'll be a, a video 
snippet of that at the end of today's show, which I will uh, ask you to stick around for because it's it's uh, it's a good teaser for what was a really fun episode. We'll also speak with David Vaughan in the coming weeks, uh, the instructor of percussion at the Oklahoma Panhandle State University coming up with all those drum lines and incredible music um, uh, for, for various things, uh, marching band competitions, et cetera, et cetera. But also the, the, the soundscapes that provide the uh, drama for the ears of high school and collegiate football. Uh, we talk about the process of what goes into creating those, those drum lines. And David is just, a, again, just I'm just blessed with these people who are both knowledgeable, intelligent, um, you know, experts in their field, as you know, these guys clearly are, and also warm and generous with their time. It's uh, I feel very privileged to have had these conversations, and I can't wait to share them with you. So stick around for that clip of head coach Mark Pilling at the end of today's episode. I think that's all I need to to ramble on about before I kick this thing off. Anything that I've missed, I'll get to at the end. So without further ado, let's dive into this conversation with Kyle Smith and Tom Cadle of the USFL Project. <laughs> so really thankful to have you guys here today, Tom Cadle and Kyle Smith from the USFL Project. Thanks for taking the time, guys. Um, How's lockdown treating you? It looks like you've got a nice beachfront set up there, Tom. It's all virtual. Don't let it fool you. <laughs> but so far, Tom, Tom, yeah. Tom is, Tom is literally two hours away from me, if that. So, yeah, he's, he's sitting on a virtual beach. As, as uh, our guest on our other show that we just recorded said, in Guam. <laughs> exactly. So you guys sort of surviving, getting, uh, I find I've been really busy over this lockdown period. I've moved house in this time, moved to a farm, been chopping a lot of firewood and all that sort of stuff. You guys finding some time to, uh, to relax amongst all the extra work that seems to come with this lockdown. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. Um, I've been working from home for about five years now. And, and so I'm used to it. Uh, when I say it, not so much the isolation part, but just working from home and getting things done. And it, it's funny, um, on, on my, in my other life, I have a tech job. And so with this lockdown, of course, a lot of folks working from home, a lot of remote access, all that sort of thing. So the truth is I've actually been quite busy um, during this. So for me, time has just flown right by. And I don't think I've had a, a boring day yet. I think Kyle will attest last couple of weeks, it's been very hard to get a hold of me. Yeah, uh, that's one of the things with taking on the USFL project, uh, because we're all, we're all volunteers. We, you know, we do this for the love of the USFL. So um, for, for us, you know, we, we have other things that we do. And so we have to balance our work life, personal life and then the USFL project is this whole it's this whole other animal that it's become and so uh it's yeah it has been difficult I mean there's a lot of times that I call Tom and he sends me a text and says can't talk right now I'll call you in a few minutes and so 
we, we really have to, at times, piecemeal our work together so that um, we can continue growing. We do a lot of work after hours. And so uh, I know you've been on the, on the Facebook page. Um, most of those posts, believe it or not, Do them, you know, type in these posts to keep things going. But uh, I think right now I'm sitting at maybe 32, 33 um, scheduled posts just in the main group alone. So we, we, and, we have to and, really work the time hard. And the funny thing, too, is, is with Tom and I working so closely together on this, um, <clears throat> the scheduling-wise, Tom has about 30-some-odd posts that are ready to roll in the USFL project and all of the satellite groups that we have to go along with them. And I have posts as well that Tom can't see. So we just we continue to try to post relative, relative comment, uh, content in all of those groups, and we can't even see what the other one's posting. So we, have to have, we do have to have a lot of conversations via voice, via text, but... Um, we, we've got some very pertinent content that is coming out. And luckily for us, you can only find, find it on the USFL project. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the more you sort of, well, the more I've sort of expanded my little football universe, um, you know, joining groups like a football world and that sort of thing, you know, and finding more and more people like yourself who are, you know, volunteering and giving, you know, their time. Um, essentially to, to run these different projects and programs and that sort of thing, you know, people have to find all sorts of ways to fit their football addiction, obsession. For me, it's definitely an addiction um, around, yeah. around their day-to-day -day lives. So before I dive into the nitty gritty with you guys on the USFL and the USFL project, um, do you guys remember that first time you really thought geez i've fallen in love with this sport was it when you were a kid was it a particular game a moment i like to hear this from different people of yeah how they fell in love with football kyle you want to go first or how do you want to do that now uh, question wise are you asking when when we fell in love with football or when we fell in love with the usfl specifically i'll do the football first yeah just football in general do you remember okay. that Oh, oh yeah. Um, I, I grew up in Oklahoma and football was a really, really big. It's, it's not as big in Oklahoma as it is in Texas, but still football is king in Oklahoma. And so I started playing football at a very young age, probably even before I actually watched the sport. I think I was playing the sport. So Football for me was was from probably second grade all the way through high school, and then um, and then it, it carried on to college. I wasn't I wasn't even close to good enough to playing in college because those guys those guys are tremendous athletes, um, and so I became at that point when my high school days were over, I became a fan just like everybody else. What about for you, Tom? I'll never forget this. I was uh, seven years old. And um, it was, it's okay to laugh. 
it was when uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were an expansion team in the NFL. And I lived in New York at the time, and I couldn't stand the Buffalo Bills. Couldn't stand them. In fact, I couldn't stand any New York teams. And what got me, oddly enough, were those creamsicle, uh, bright orange jerseys. I'm like, well, you know, this looks pretty cool. I can imagine this on the, on the, on the field. And I couldn't stand Buffalo, so I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll root for the uh, creamsicle orange guys. And that's when I first started, you know, paying attention to football. It was seven. And I remember exactly when it happened. So I've been a Buccaneers fan since day one. And then lucky for me, when I was a teenager, I actually moved to Florida, uh, not too far from Tampa. So it was a perfect, perfect fit. Uh, and at that time for me, and Kyle, I'll segue into the USFL. At that time for me, the Bandits were the new guys in town. And unlike the Buccaneers, this team was exciting. You know, uh, I didn't know much when I first moved to Florida, but I knew Burt Reynolds was an owner of the team, and Smokey and the Bandit in the United States was a huge movie, and it was nothing but exciting. And when, you, when I got to Florida, everything was Bandits. Bandits this and Bandits that. You had giant billboards with Lonnie Anderson, who was the, uh, Burt Reynolds' girlfriend at the time, future wife. Uh, all decked out in Bandit's gear, and, and the owner, John Bassett, was doing all kinds of crazy promotions. It was just so exciting, and, and they did everything to get the fans involved with the team. How could you not love that? That's how I fell in love with the USFL. And, and let me add to that. I, I know that the NFL watches this show bring back the creamsicles. <laughs> it's a little late now. <laughs> I don't it's understand it. Back. it. It has to come back. It, it's one of those things that always surprises me. There's these teams that have great uniforms in their back catalog. Um, you know, I think there's some in the, I think the Browns have got closer to it, but the Buccaneers, we're crying out for the creamsicles. There's nothing else like it in the NFL. Exactly. That's what I liked about them. They were so unique. I mean, they're horrible on the field back in that day, but it was so unique. What I loved it. I can imagine Tom Brady in the uh, in the creamsicle jersey and and Gronk too. I think um, it's looking pretty good for the Buccaneers this year. I think they've they've added some uh, some nice stuff. I don't know. See, this is where it, it stinks being a longtime Buccaneer fan. I would have loved Tom Brady five ten years ago. Mm. I hope that this version of Tom Brady, who's, you know, honestly kind of old, uh, can stay healthy. And uh, I mean, I'm, I don't have no doubt he'll be more consistent than Jameis Winston was. Um, Gronk, I hope he stays healthy and I hope he, uh, hope he can do what he used to do. If so, I think we're going to have a nice year. I agree with you. Absolutely. Now, hold on. Jameis Winston, Jameis Winston's the greatest fantasy football quarterback of all time. So don't disrespect Jameis Winston when, when I have had him for two years and he's carried my team and put me into the top five each year. Do not, do not disrespect oh, Jameis Winston. Time out. This guy just got vision correction surgery this offseason. He's been playing in the NFL how many years? He made how much money? And he just now got his vision corrected after throwing 30 interceptions? I'm sorry. It's a little bit late for that. 
It's like what set him off Goodbye. eventually, you know, it was the interception, the 30 interceptions. That's how long it took before he thought, maybe I'll look into getting my eyes fixed, you know, playing half blind. Not driving, in, not driving around in traffic, right? It has to be when he's on the field. That's right. Well, the there, problem is he, he, he may have very well got his vision fixed, but it, if, it's, if it's the issue of him being on the field, he would have to get his color blindness fixed because <laughs> – uh, obviously, he has an issue throwing to the other teams, but still, Jameis Winston, greatest fantasy football quarterback of all time. I, I wouldn't be too surprised at some point to see him do something in a Saints uniform. If anyone can sort of, I thought that Bruce Arians and that whole setup kind of uh, maybe brought out the, the best and the worst. Maybe Sean Payton can find a way to sort of find that middle ground with him. So uh, the problem is, is they've got they've got three quarterbacks at this point. I mean, I know Taysom Hill is going to take on more of a flex role, but still, they they do have three quarterbacks on the roster. And I can promise you, if something happens with Breeze, I don't know that they're going to put Jameis in immediately because Taysom Hill has the experience there. That's a very true point. Me? Maybe if they put some day glow or bright colored reflectors on the Saints helmets, that could help. They need, he needs to go play the for helmets the Seahawks. are already gold. <laughs> he needs to play for the Seahawks in those fluoro jerseys. Exactly. You can't miss those. No, not There's miss. another jersey that needs to come back. Those, those Seahawks, those neon green Seahawks jerseys, I'm sorry, but those are fantastic. I'm here for it. Absolutely. Bring the fluoros in. So for the NFL, for someone like myself, so I got into NFL in an addictive way probably five years ago. So I saw, I saw my first game of NFL on TV maybe 10 years um, ago. And then living in a rural area, just couldn't follow it. Didn't have the sort of the internet and that sort of thing finally got the chance to and have just been totally obsessed with it since then. But something like the USFL, I've heard sort of floating around on different sort of NFL podcasts I've listened to, um, but only sort of in passing. And then becoming a member of the AFW group, the USFL sort of spoken about like some sort of lost pantheon of gods. There's sort of this mythic quality to it. And I was like, I need to find out more. So for people like myself, or particularly like myself a few months ago before I'd really had a look at what the USFL was about, for people who only know the NFL or college football, what was the USFL and how did it come about? Well, for me, uh, to put it in a general standpoint, the USFL for me is what the NFL should have been. It was good quality football it was a lot of fun the players were able to express themselves uh via via celebrations you know the nfl's gotten a really bad rap about being the no fun league mm. and it's you even see it now with their celebrations because defensive wise when when the nfl when a defense has a, a interception for a touchdown return they all do the same celebration. It's the team picture. And it seems to me that that's contrived 
Like maybe, maybe from the NFL offices, they're saying, okay, these certain celebrations are approved. Anything outside of that, you can't do. The USFL was not like that. The USFL was open. It was free. It was fun. The tickets were affordable. If you if you've noticed any of the posts in the USFL project, we post a lot of tickets from different games. The games were affordable in the '80s. You could take your fans, uh, you, you could take your family, and and not be broke by the time it was all over, and watch good quality football and come away with an experience with your family, with your kids that you just couldn't get with the NFL, even in the 80s. And I'll add on to that. So just talking about the fans and the interaction, in the U.S., uh, every now and again, you'll see a team that says, hey, listen, come out and meet the players. And what they really mean is, is come out and meet the guys that have been sitting on the bench or on the practice squad, the guys you very rarely see in the game. But when the USFL played, when they said, hey, come out and meet the players, you met the starters. I mean, I remember my, one of my first trips uh, to see the team in Tampa. I got to see all the starters, John Reeves. I got to see, you know, Greg Boone and Eric Trevelyan. These guys were the ones that showed up for those uh, uh, fan interactions. You could never see that in the NFL. That never happened. And so that helped endear the team to the, the town, the, the team and to the fans, right? And in addition, when you ask about what else the USFL did, what was the draw? If you look today, what you see in the NFL in terms of free agency, what you see in what players make, um, everything that the players have today, they owe directly to the USFL. Everything from the silly things like knee braces and instant replay, everything from being able to challenge a play on the field, that all started in the USFL. Pay grade increases, salaries all increased because of the USFL. Free agency became real because of the USFL. It used to be if a player played in the NFL, they signed a contract, they were basically stuck with that team unless that team opted to trade them or cut them outright the USFL started giving players options. And because they could leave and go to another league, it also forced the NFL to start changing the rules and how they dealt with free agency internally. And the impact of that is incredible. Yeah, absolutely. If you, uh, yeah, go ahead, Carl. If you, if, you go, if you go back and look at the three seasons of the USFL, 83, 84, 85, and then you look at the – instrumental changes that the NFL did in 86, 87, and those consecutive years, you're going to see that Paul Tagliabue was paying attention to what the USFL did 100%. Yeah, and and so this too, like you say, the seasons, there's three of them, 83, 84, and 85. Going back and doing a, l- a little bit of reading, so this wasn't a new idea was it this was a, the the idea of the USFL was established um, many years before that initial 83 season correct that is absolutely. correct absolutely that idea was established back in the 60s yeah david dixon the inventor or the creator or the originator of the, of the thought of this 
uh, started back in the 60s. He was a, uh, a New Orleans antique dealer, and he loved football. And what he was really trying to do is get uh, build a league or create a league that could house a team in New Orleans. That's what he wanted more than anything else. And he started pitching the idea of the United States Football League, and that's exactly what he called it even back then, around some very notable uh, NFL uh, experienced head coaches, executives, et cetera. Every one of them had said, this is a fantastic idea. You need to move forward with this. And ultimately what ended up happening was that the NFL to kind of kill that idea ended up putting an expansion team in New Orleans, which is now where you get the New Orleans Saints. And that in turn kind of gave Dixon what he wanted. He wanted a football team in New Orleans and he kind of put that idea on the back burner for several more years. Yeah, right. It's funny looking through it too. You're talking about, you know, like, um, you know the fan engagement and getting to meet the starters and that sort of thing it's not like you know different sort of uh i suppose professional leagues start and there are a lot of players that aren't easily recognizable to fans particularly you know fans now looking back but the usfl seems to be completely different in that sense you know you've got guys like steve young who is a recognizable name jim kelly um and the list goes on, I'm sure. Who were some of those players um, that NFL fans today would instantly name brand recognize? Kyle? How long's your show? Yeah. Um, <laughs> because there, there were so many great players in the USFL that, that later on went, and went to the NFL and had success. But you know, and you mentioned Jim Kelly, Herschel Walker, Steve Young. I mean, the lit Reggie White, the list goes on. But, you know, one of the things that Tom and I are finding, and it's been, you know, I, it's been really special to us, is that we get a lot of the guys who only played in the USFL that may not have had any type of shot in the NFL that are so thankful that we're trying to keep the USFL alive. And I'll give you a great example. Now, um, now he did have a couple of seasons in the NFL, but uh, we, have a, we have a USFL fantasy football league, and it is 20 teams deep, and it is very competitive. Every team, including the uh, Spirit of Miami, which never happened, the Washington Federals were going to move to Miami and have a new team. They were going to be called the Spirit of Miami. The Spirit of Miami is our 20th team in our fantasy football league. And, uh, you know, this is a, this is a shout-out to um, Keith Clark, who was a linebacker for the Tampa Bay, Buccane uh, Tampa Bay Bandits for all three seasons. And when, when I started connecting with these players, um, I connected with Keith. He was always very open, very friendly, very thankful for what the USFL project was doing. And so I brought him on as my celebrity co-owner in the Fantasy Football League. And the reason I'm telling you that is to tell you this. Um, we had an ownership change about a year ago with the Tampa Bay organization in the Fantasy Football League. And I reached out to Keith because Keith and I, Keith, we've talked about cigars, we've talked about football, 
We've talked about all kinds of stuff. He has legitimately become a friend of mine. And so I reached out to him and I said, hey, Keith, you played three seasons with the Bandits. I know those were some of the best years of your life. Um, they are looking for a celebrity owner in Tampa, and that's your wheelhouse. Man, no, no bad feelings, no anything, but if you want to be the celebrity owner in Tampa, I totally understand. And he called me back, and he said, no, I'm not going to Tampa. I'm staying with you with the Oklahoma Outlaws and we're going to win a championship. And those are the kind of bonds that we're putting together with these players that are so thankful and, um, and respecting of what we're doing with the USFL project that, you know, the, the big names are great. They, they made the headlines for the USFL, but it's, it's the guys that were there in the trenches, the, you know, the Joe box, the, the Keith Clarks, you know, Mike Hohensee, he's a, he's a fantastic individual, great quarterback for the Washington Federals, uh, won an Arena Bowl championship. All of these guys, and there's so many more names. I could keep you on the phone all night. There's so many more names of these guys that are so supportive of what we do. And, and I've, I've become fans of all of those guys. I watch what they do. I, I try to support what they do. So, the big names are great, and, and we appreciate them putting the USFL on the map, but every guy, every player that played in that league, that's the reason that we do what we do. That's the reason why Tom and I are up past midnight on phone calls talking about what we're going to do with the USFL project next. That, that is the entire, at least for me, that's the entire reason why I do it. So there's a little point to add to that. The big names aside – Right. A lot of folks have heard of the big names. You can easily go to the internet, pull up, you know, USFL, and they always pop up those the most famous players, right? The Herschel Walkers and the Kelvin Bryants, et cetera. Nothing wrong with that. But over over 60% of the USFL was made up of players that never played in the NFL. They never went further, in some cases, than, say, the CFL or even just the USFL itself. What, what endears everyone and what endears this league to the fans so much is that prior to playing in the league, these guys were either college students or they were just somebody working a job. They were a salesman or they were working in a grocery store. Or they were just like you and me. There's the average Joe. They got a phone call. They made the team. They played one, two, maybe three seasons. And when it was over, a few lucky guys managed to go to the NFL or maybe the Canadian Football League, right? But the, the bulk of them, the majority of them, they went back to being average Joes. And when you talk to some of these folks, what you realize is they're no different than us. Most of these guys are its just like you and me talking right now or me talking to Kyle. And I think that resonates with the fans. These guys are – most of these guys are so, so humble – and they're so down to earth. They're so blue collar. I don't know how many professional sports or sports leagues, you know, you have interaction with. Uh, the only time I've ever seen interaction like that is maybe in minor league baseball where you can have build a relationship with those players. And I think that's part of what endears the league overall with the fans in the U.S. It's just it's they're, they're just like it, they see them. It's no different than us. We live vicariously through them. 
It's really interesting that like that sense of, I guess, community is what I sort of keep feeling when I hear that the USFL talked about, when I hear you guys talk about it, when I see that community that exists online with the USFL project. You know, I was talking to a guy a few weeks ago who he's just finished playing high school football and looking to get into college ball. But we talked about the relationships formed between people, I guess, who have that limited, you know, say four years, you know, there's a four year sort of group of guys who go through this together in high school. And for so many of those guys, when that's done, their football is done. You know, that's the NFL has this sort of rolling on inevitable kind of feel to it, but something like the USFL in a sense, because they had that three, almost four years, has kind of retained that sense of community and camaraderie and those bonds that you see formed perhaps in high school football, in college, where you have guys together for a finite amount of time. Is that sort of a fair comparison to draw? I think it's a perfect comparison to draw. No different than the military, right? Folks who were in the military, I'm a veteran myself, will tell you that you know, there, there's that little moment in time, it was very special. No one can touch that. And I think the USFL plays that not only for the players that were there, but also the fans. I think you hit it on the head. If, if you had told me years ago when, when I actually started the USFL project, if you'd have told me that there would be thousands upon thousands of people that would be part of it, I would have laughed in your face. And we are finding so many more. Tom and I were actually talking about the growth earlier today. And even, even at the numbers we sit out now, we're astounded at the number of people that are coming into the groups and not only coming into the groups, but they are adding content. We, 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 these are conversations that Tom and I have behind the scenes where we're like, did you see the article that that guy posted? Did you see the, the jersey, the, the, the pennant, whatever it was? I've never seen one of those. And there's a lot of times Tom and I are both like, I've never seen one of those either. And so we have those conversations all the time. And, and we, want to, we want to encourage that that community sense because and tom's heard me say this a thousand times he's probably going to mute me right now but um there's going to come a day and this is this is going to be one of the worst days of my life there's going to come a day when some talking head comes on espn or fox sports or whatever and says the last known player or executive that was tied to the USFL has passed away. And at that point, if we don't collect as much paperwork, as, mu as many interviews, uh, as many uh, in-person communications, we lose those stories. So for us, we want to reach out to as many people as we can and get them to talk. Just, just tell us about your USFL experience. We, we want to hear it. And so that's been one of the main focuses for us is we want to get in touch with these people before those stories go away. Because once those stories go away, you can't get them back. 
without a doubt, in, in, in the highlight Kyle's point, the legacy of the USFL goes on even today in the NFL. There's coaches that coached all through the 90s into the 2000s. There's head coaches in the NFL that started coaching in the USFL. That legacy, without question, is the single, it's, it's the single biggest influence on the NFL that the NFL has ever had. I would argue and say that the – I could probably make a very good argument and say the USFL was probably more influential to today's NFL than the American Football League was in the 60s, even though those two leagues merged. I don't believe they were as near as influential as what the USFL is. It's, its legacy continues even to this day. And I think because of that and what we've seen on, on Facebook, for example, um, there's a story, there's a piece of history there. There's, there's, there's so much left to be told, you know, and, and I think it would be a shame if that gets lost. Mm. So the, so this, the USFL project, as you said, it started uh, several years ago, 2012 was a date I came across. I can't remember it was on the Facebook page um, as listed as the, the start of the USFL project. So the idea behind this was to essentially create sort of a living time capsule of, of this that involved community. Is, is that sort of, am I in the right direction? <laughs> Tom, you want me to take this? Um, well, I'll tell you what, how about you start with your piece and then I'll jump in. I, I knew that was coming. So when the USFL project started, now the group actually started in 2012. The USFL project page started way before that. And this is going to be really funny to you, but I, you know, this is, this is part of, you know, me being a fan of the league. The USFL project started as a collection. What, what my ultimate goal with the USFL project was, I wanted to collect a mini helmet signed by one player from each of the teams in the USFL project, and that was where it was going to stop. And obviously you can see that did not happen because it continued to evolve. And we had, we had players, we had executives, we had fans that were, that were reaching out going, hey, I, you haven't got Orlando yet. And I'm like, no, I, I don't have an Orlando Renegades helmet yet. Well, did you know that this guy, he lives here and he's a neighbor of mine. And, and so the, the USFL project literally evolved from just something that I loved and I wanted to be a, a part of my autograph collection. It's evolved into the place that you have to go to get the most accurate, the most recent, the most exclusive content regarding the USFL. And, and we're still adding to it because to go back to what Tom said earlier in the previous conversation, I could not have been happier when Bradley and I was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys because I knew his lineage. Brad and I played for the Stars, played for the Gamblers, and played for the San Antonio Gunslingers. I mean, that right now in the NFL draft, 
we have two or maybe even more great pieces of USFL legacy that came out. And I, I couldn't have been happier. If, if Dallas would have drafted him in the third round, I would have been just as happy with them as drafting him in the sixth round. That's awesome. That is awesome. So for me, I started probably 20, 25 years ago. And I took a different approach than Kyle. Okay. For me, it was collecting as much data and information about the league as possible. Uh, a couple of years ago, I ran into a gentleman named Jim Parcells. Hi, Jim, if you're watching this. Jim lives up in Canada. And Jim is like me, but uh, probably a little more intense uh, regarding data and statistics. So what Jim and I were doing is we were putting together um, – well, at the time, we didn't call it the USFL project. We were, we were trying to figure out a name. But the goal was, was to document and preserve the history and the story of the league itself. And then I ran into Kyle. And then uh, Kyle and I probably had the craziest first meeting that any two people could probably have. Um, <laughs> however, lunch was great. And uh, um, from that day on, it's been let's just go ahead and, and put all of our collective uh, juices together, if you will. And we took all the information that Jim and I had been putting together for, you know, over 20 years. And, and to be clear, a lot of the stuff that we have been working on has gone into other people's books. <laughs> We've been, you know, cited as sources for other folks' publications. And instead, what we wanted to do was put something out there, if you will, that'll stand the test of time. There's a deeper story. It's not just a, a, a novel. It's, it's much deeper. Uh, take a look at it from not only the, uh, the fans' perspective, but also the alumni um, as well. And then when you put all that together and layer it all out, what you end up with is exactly the USFL project. And, and to go back to the community part of it for just a second, because uh, Tom, Tom was um, – and I understand why – but Tom didn't really talk about our first meeting. I'm, I'm way more open than Tom. I will absolutely talk about it. So we, Tom and I had been talking back and forth about the USFL project and what we could do. And the very first time I met Tom, I think I called him maybe 48 hours, maybe 72 hours before. And yeah. I said, hey, can you, uh, can you make it to Arlington for lunch? And he goes, well, let me check my schedule. Why? What do you got going on? I go, well, um, I'm, uh, I'm having lunch with John Corker, the sack man from the Michigan Panthers. And, uh, you know, if you want to come over after we get done having lunch with John, you and I can sit down and talk about the USFL project and everything else. And he goes, my schedule just opened up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Sure did. Some things you've just got to and make time been, for. And we've been working, you know, since that day, we've been working together on, 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 on I'll say, putting together this new combined uh, uh, USFL project. So uh, that's what we're doing now. And, of course, I'm not going to take all of Kyle's uh, steam that he's building up, but let's just say that we're going to be doing a lot more stuff and we're going to be going in a few places that a lot of people maybe don't expect. And we're going to be uh, uh, announcing some things and releasing some things that I think are going to uh, really 
surprise people in a, in a very good way. I'll let Kyle expand on any of that if he wants to, or just put a few more teasers out there. Well, I mean, you know, I can't give away everything, but, um, you know, if, if there's a such thing as breaking news without, without the USFL coming back, because let's be honest, there's a lot of people that ask us that. There's a lot of people that join the group that still ask us that. They say, is the USFL project about bringing the USFL back? And I'm here to tell you, it's not. That's not what we're about. We're, we are not going to resurrect a 35-plus-year-old football league. However, if there's a such thing as breaking news on the USFL, I think you're going to see a couple of things from us in the very near future, I hope. We're, we're waiting for the right time. Everything's been researched, documented. It's all taken care of. We're just waiting for the right moment to really start letting the people know what we found. And more so, it's not only going to create ripples in the USFL community, but I can promise you that one of the things that we have, and at least one, will cause ripples in not only the NFL, but possibly the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Wow. What a tease. <laughs> if nothing else, I'm a great tease. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm leaving that one alone. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would appreciate you staying out of that, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> I am. I'll just be over here drinking my water. <laughs> uh, wow. I'm going to be looking forward to whatever that announcement is. That sounds uh, spectacularly intriguing. Um, so I was just having a look down some of the other sort of things that we were thinking about covering, finding it hard to put that notion out of my mind. What is this thing that's going to, very interesting. Um, I suppose one thing I would ask is, do either of you, for people like myself, like those listening who want to learn more? about the league who want to understand, you know, this ma like massive part of pro football history. Do you have any uh, book recommendations, any games like classic matches that they should go back and watch? Um, yeah. Any sort of content, obviously they should go and join the USFL project and, and we'll tell everyone how to do that shortly. But yeah, any other sort of content that these, that listeners should get into if they want to start their, their own USFL fandom. I think, I think for, for me, one of the things that you have to do, and again, I appreciate you mentioning the USFL project and, and our group. I, I really do because we're, we're growing exponentially, but, um, you know, for, for those who are at home right now that may not, be able to uh, to leave. I think that one of the places that I would visit personally is on YouTube and it's USFL Forever. Not only do they have at this time the best selection of USFL games, but Joe Sampson, who I consider a friend, I hope, I hope Joe's watching, um, Joe actually took film footage 
from the 1985 Houston Gamblers at Los Angeles Express game, and it's called The Greatest Game No One Saw. And if you watch any of the documentaries that actually ask Jim Kelly or Steve Young about that game, they always, when they get together, they always talk about that game. They always talk about it. It is one of the best, and I would put it up against any NFL game. It is an amazing story. And Joe Sampson loved it so much that he took film footage and pieced it together. He hired an announcer out of his own pocket and put the entire thing together like a game. Wow. And it is absolutely incredible to watch it, it it's probably it it's going to be one of joe samson's legacy so if i can tell anybody that's listening the first thing i would do is i would go to youtube i would go to usfl forever i would find the greatest game no one saw and watch it in its entirety because it is something to behold now as far as books go <laughs> so so there's three actual books that, that were really written um, about the league itself. And, and so the only place you can go is you got to start there. And the first one uh, is written by Jim Byrne, B-Y-R-N-E, and he was the communications director for the league itself. And I think it was, uh, I think it was the $3 league. And then you have, there you go, the $1 league, there we go. And then you have uh, Paul Reith's book, which I think is just titled United States Football League. Uh, another good read. And then you have the latest, which is, there you go, another copy. And then you have, uh, what is it, Football for a Buck? Which one is it? The, the, the latest one by Jeff Perlman. Yeah, that's the one. I, I, I have a copy of that. I don't have it easily accessible. So, Jeff, if so, you're watching, I'm sorry, but I yep. don't have I don't have that one. I have it, so, but I don't have it right here. All three books actually take you on a, a little bit of a different journey, and you always end up at the same, which is, of course, the league, you know, doesn't make it. Uh, the Jim Byrne book is, is, to me, the very first one that I read, and obviously was the first one that was ever written. It gives you an idea of what goes on behind the scenes. And then uh, the Paul Reese book kind of gave you a, a good overview of the teams uh, as well as what was going on behind the scenes. He built upon what Jim Byrne had written. Uh, Jeff Perlman's book, I think, is a very, very entertaining read, and it's really more a bunch of uh, a little stories um, mm -hmm. as opposed to an in-depth, really detailed thing. Kyle, would you agree or disagree with that? Um, I absolutely but, agree with that. Um, I think, but it's, um, it's entertaining. Think, absolutely. The book, the book that Jeff Perlman came out with is absolutely entertaining. If you're, if you're looking for diehard facts, that may not be the book for you, but it has a lot of entertaining stories. It, um, yeah. You see a lot of the usual characters. So it, it, yeah, it's a, it's a good read. And uh, if you want, what I can do is I can publish uh, um, in the group um, a bibliography of some, some stuff that I would recommend because there's so much data that's out there, but they're not in normal places. Uh, there's a, a really good book written about the NFL it, uh, published back in 1986, which is called The League, The Rise and Decline of the NFL. And 
it, it ends right as the USFL was ending. But to understand what the NFL was going through at that time, you can understand the dynamics between how these two leagues worked together and again against each other. So they shared a lot more than most people are aware. And there was a lot of turmoil going on between the two, as I'm sure you well know, because obviously there was a court case and the uh, USFL won and lost all at the same time. Um, it really depends on the level of interest for the reader. And uh, if you want, people can reach out to me directly or reach out to the group and we're more than happy mm -hmm. to, to point them in a direction of, of something that would be a good read for them and get them caught up to speed. Fantastic. Thanks so much for that, guys. Look, I've kept you guys about an hour now. I really appreciate your time coming on and sharing your, your passion and expertise. This really, the whole USFL project seems like um, a perfect meeting of minds and energies between you guys. Um, so obviously, football fans like myself really thankful that that happened and that you guys have started this project. Um, what can people do to get involved in the USFL project? How do they go about it? We, you know, we, we try to make that really simple. We, we, have a, we have a page, the USFL Project. You can find that easily. We also have a group called the USFL Project. We ask you to answer one question. It's very simple. Who was your favorite USFL team? And if you don't have a USFL team, if you're, especially because we want to capture that young generation. We want to capture those kids because there are a lot of these players that have kids and grandkids that had no idea about the USFL. We want to bring them in so they realize that their father, grandfather, uncle, whoever it was, man, this guy played in a professional league. So we have one simple question. What was your favorite USFL team? If you don't have an answer, say, I was too young. I mean, at this point, we're after hours, right? Say fart. I don't care. Just if you want to be part of the group, come and be a part of the group. We, we want people to be interactive. We want people to soak in all this information. And, you know, the great thing for me, uh, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to get sappy here. So Tom, if you want to step out of Guam for a second, but I have, I have such a great team with the USFL project. Um, Tom, Jim, uh, Rob, uh, Mr. Nunley, uh, 503 Sports. I mean, we have such a great team behind us that it makes this so easy for me. And all we, you know, all we want to do is bring in the people that have some kind of memory, some kind of love, some kind of interest in the USFL project, and we want to give them everything they could possibly need and we're getting that with the new members that are coming in that are sharing content we are getting that and we're going to give them so much more in the end so go to facebook search groups look for the usfl project you have to answer one simple question and it's it, it really it we make it that simple and to build upon what kyle was saying We've already spoken with um, a few other owners, if you will, or, or, or administrators of other USFL groups. Uh, we've had some, we've had one couple of folks, one has literally just handed us their group. 
Another one who, who manages another group very successfully, um, uh, Anthony Nunez, has decided that he's going to work with us. Um, as we build ourselves out, as we do more, uh, obviously we want to be seen as uh, not just a Facebook page where people can come and, 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 and learn a few things. Our goal is to put, put out a web presence, an internet presence, where people can come and actually do research on the league itself. Uh, has the ability for the alumni to get together. Uh, we've got some things that are in motion right now. Uh, we're working out uh, whether it's, a, it's the legal bugs that we have to work out and, and other things, technical issues, whatever. We're, we're trying to get everything put together so that we go far beyond what you can do with Facebook and instead build a, a longer, longer lasting and stronger community uh, around this, not only for the fans, but also for the professional football researchers and also for the alumni. Um, the goal is to take the USFL, keep its story, tell the story, and, and, and provide a place where people uh, can come, like I said, do research and whatever. So initially, if folks want to contribute, if folks want to participate, absolutely get on the Facebook page. Feel free to, to, to post pictures of your collection, post uh, stuff that you may maybe have just kept, maybe you only had one pennant that you've held on to since you were a kid, post it. You'll see that there's, you know, 13 other people that may have that same poster. But I can promise you, there's so many people that find out they have so many other things in common, uh, the community itself just starts growing. One person joins, three, three days later, they've invited 15 more people. And, and we've seen that. Uh, and, it, and it's crazy how it's growing. It's crazy uh, how we're moving. So um, please, if you're even remotely interested, come check out the Facebook page. Know that that's not the end. It's just the beginning. And we're going to be building out and doing other things as well. And, and I've been, for me personally, I've been so excited to see the growth because I grew up an Oklahoma Outlaws fan. That was our, that was our hometown team. They only lasted one season. And for me to see all of these people reaching out and asking about the Pittsburgh Maulers, asking about the Orlando Renegades, asking about all of these different teams, it's just, it's, it's humbling. I mean, I wish I could come up with another word because I know so many athletes, so many people use that word, but it really is humbling that people are taking an interest in not only the USFL project as a page, as a group, but we've got so many people that are joining the individual team sites. And one of the easiest ways, and, and Tom has done an excellent job uh, in our group, if you look at the announcements, he has a list of all of the team sites that we have. And if you were if you were a fan of the USFL, but you were a fan of a certain team, you you love the Philadelphia Stars, but you hated the Pittsburgh Maulers, then come join the Philadelphia Stars group. Come join the Orlando Renegades group because we not only are working in the USFL project, but we are working at each and every one of those individual team sites too. Wow. It's, it's a place where folks, fans can actually go and interact with former uh, players. Um, I can't tell you how many, every single team site we have, not to mention the main group itself, has a ton of alumni. And I don't mean just players, executives, uh, uh, everybody, 
who was associated with the team from the cheerleaders on up. Uh, we've got folks uh, that are active in those groups. So it really is a community. And a lot of folks don't know that. They don't even realize in some cases who they're even talking to. But believe me, they're all there. We, we actually just had a group reach out to us that is a group of cheerleaders from one of the USFL teams. And Tom was very interactive with them and said, hey, please come join our group. We, we want to hear your stories. We, we hear from the players. We hear from the executives. We hear from all of that. Tell, tell us the cheerleading stories. And now we've got them as a part of our group, and they are slowly starting to integrate into that group and tell their stories and be active. It's, it's fantastic. I want to hear from the ball boy. I want to hear from the referees. I want to hear from those guys. Just tell us everything you know. Tell us, your, tell us everything you're willing to share and then maybe six inches more. <laughs> that's right. That, that's amazing. Like it just, it basically you've created a space and are in the process of creating a space that um, anything and more that you could ever want to know about the USFL. That's absolutely incredible. And my hat off to, uh, to both of you. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Well, guys, as I said, I've taken up an hour of your time. I really appreciate you guys coming on and sharing your passion and expertise. It's been a blast talking to both of you. Um, so it's Facebook. Uh, go and search up the USFL project. There's a group. There's a page. As you say, there's individual team pages. If you're a Pittsburgh Maulers fan or uh, Philadelphia Stars, go and get involved. Uh, even as, as Tom said, even if you are just remotely interested in learning about the USFL project, I hope that anybody listening or watching this reaches out and, and gets involved. Um, I'll post links to all of the, the different things. As you say, a bit of a bibliography for some books, um, some links to the pages and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for coming on guys. Really appreciate your time. And, and thanks, thanks for, for having, having us. us. We were, we really appreciate it and it's a great time to be a usfl fan we've got a lot of great things going on so come come be a part of the community come be a part of the groups and um you know keep your eye out because you never know when we're going to break that news absolutely it's coming <laughs> i feel like there's a winter is coming uh, game of thrones style <laughs> meme to be made here <laughs> less blood less blood yeah <laughs> Well, I hope you enjoyed that chat with Kyle Smith and Tom Cadle of the USFL Project. Go and give their social media um, a follow and join the group. Just go onto Facebook, type in the USFL Project. There's the page that you can like. There's the group that you can join. There's team-specific pages. Um, but go and get involved because uh, the whole thing that they've created there at the USFL Project is, is incredibly special. And I just can't wait to follow their progress as it develops um i'd love to get them on the podcast again at some point to talk some of the specifics of the usfl um i'd love to do a greatest jerseys of the usfl um episode maybe where we can rank some uniforms uh which would be good fun but until that time i'm gonna flick you over now to the teaser clip for the episode that's coming up next. 
with head coach and director of player personnel, Mark Pilling, with the Erie Express football team. Now, little context to this story. This was uh, when uh, Coach Pilling was talking about the time where he'd just begun getting into coaching and he was doing long driving hours to get out and, and videotape um, the next week's opposition. That flies on the microphone again. Get away, you spy. Um, and so this is one of those stories from the road uh, scouting these games. Perfect story. I'll give you a quick little story. Yeah. I was about 150 miles away from where we live. All of a sudden, a snowstorm comes in. It was a playoff game. I'm sitting there freezing, holding the camera up to my eye, watching. And this big gentleman standing, sitting next to me goes, he goes, you look cold. I was like, yeah, sir. I said, I'm freezing. He goes, who are you scouting for? I go, Eisenhower. He goes, oh, we're going to play you as soon as my son, the quarterback, wins this game. I'm like, yep. He goes, well, far be it from me. And he went and went to his car and got me a blanket and wrapped me up and sat there and sat there and talked to me the whole time during while we were scouting. It's just uh, it's a people business, just like just like sales, anything else. It, it's a people business, and if if you got that good attitude, you'll succeed in it. Hope you enjoyed that teaser clip for the upcoming episode with head coach and Director of Playout Personnel for the Erie Express football team, Mark Pilling. It was a thoroughly enjoyable chat, and uh, uh, I can't wait to share that one with you as well. We've come to the end of our time together for today. It sounded a bit more ominous than I intended. We've come to the end of our time. I'm very sorry. But what I'm not sorry about is the fact that there's plenty more of the JBFE for you to sink your eyes and your ears into um, in the coming weeks, in the coming months. There's some exciting news coming out um, as regards to some website related stuff. So obviously you can follow me on social media at the moment on Facebook, the Jake Botel football experience and on Twitter and Instagram, the same deal. Just type in the Jake Botel football experience and I will appear. Well, my social media account will anyway, not me, literally. Um, I haven't achieved that level of ascension yet. Um, you can also email me. Always like to uh, hear from listeners. Um, the JBFE at gmail.com. The JBFE at gmail.com. That is how now the fly is attacking me. It's moved on to the next phase. First it was sabotage and now it's physical assault. And now it's on the microphone. Seriously. I mean, if this isn't a sign that some other evil sports podcast is trying to sabotage our first major video show at the JBFE, I mean, I don't know what is. I don't know what is, dear listener. Um, until next time. It's a weird note to end it on with me rambling about uh, electronic fly spies from evil podcasts. I'm sorry that it's not ending on a more lucid note. Um, 
<laughs> thanks so much for your company today. It's been a real privilege to have this conversation, to be able to share it with you. Uh, go on Spotify, go on Apple Podcasts, have a listen to the, the back catalogue and, and look forward to what's coming in the future. But until that time, you guys have been great. I've been reasonable. It's the Jake Botel football experience. Thanks so much for listening.